Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and you're listening to the Powercat Pregame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. After dropping a 34-27 decision against number 24 Texas last week in Manhattan, the Kansas State Wildcats head back out on the road for the first of two straight road November contests, beginning with Baylor on Saturday in Waco. The Cats and Bears, in addition to Texas, sit at 6-3 overall and 4-2 in Big 12 play with three weeks remaining in the regular season. All of those teams are chasing that second spot in the Big 12 championship game in December down in Arlington. And of course, TCU sets it top, ruling the roost. But over the next three weeks, things will get very interesting, starting with Kansas State and Baylor being televised on FS1. Welcome, everyone, to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Over the next 60 minutes, we're going to get you completely prepped for the Cats and Bears. It's going to be a really competitive game. And I know this, when the Cats go to Waco in November, good things typically don't happen. We will see if Chris Kleiman, Adrian Martinez, and the rest of this K-State team can break that chain of misfortune that Kansas State has seen in late season games with Baylor. And of course, last season, we saw Kansas State go head-to-head with Baylor in Manhattan before then freshman backup quarterback Blake Shapin stepped on the field and completely took over the game and leading the Bears to victory. Kansas State has been on the cusp of greatness all season long and keeps tripping over itself and maybe a better opponent. Tulane seemed like a really bad loss earlier in the year, and lo and behold, Tulane just keeps on winning. It's kind of remarkable when you think about the non-conference losses these two teams have suffered. 
Baylor lost at BYU, and it seemed like a really good loss, if you want to say it that way. And now BYU is not so good. Meanwhile, Kansas State lost to Tulane in Week 3 in Manhattan, 17-10, to when Adrian Martinez and the offense just proved completely toothless against the Green Wave. And guess what? Turns out Tulane's pretty damn good. The Green Wave are 17th in the current college football playoff rankings. Texas is 18. Kansas State is 19. This game will go a long ways in deciding who can compete for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. And because of that loss last week to Texas, K-State probably needs to win out. And they also need some help with someone beating the Longhorns along the way. There's so much to talk about. And, of course, you know the drill here. We're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, where they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs. And offering top-notch parts and service, Robbins Motor Company is the title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And they also have really nice NIL deals with Deuce Vaughn and Felix Enyudike Uzama. Man, I tell you what, this game is just enormous, and I don't feel good about it. I'm going to be up front with you. As we bring in Ryan Wallace and Brian Hanley, our football experts along the way in this show, you will find out kind of why I don't feel so good about it. But they will offer reasons why Baylor will win and why Kansas Kansas State will win. We're going to take a really strong look at this game because it's a fascinating matchup between a Baylor team that has now suddenly found itself. They're in the groove. They won at Texas Tech. They won at Oklahoma. Now they're coming home after two significant road victories redefine their season, moving them from two and two in the conference to four and two and contenders. K-State now is shuffling into an easier part of the schedule. This game certainly isn't easier, and nothing about the Big 12 is easy this year. But TCU, Texas, and Baylor will all play each other in a round robin here over the next three weeks. Meanwhile, after Baylor, K-State will go to play struggling West Virginia in Morgantown and then come home right after Thanksgiving and play the improving Kansas Jayhawks. And now we bring in our own Ryan Wallace to talk about Kansas State at Baylor, 6 p.m. Saturday night, down in Waco. A huge game for both programs as Baylor's positioned themselves to be right there in the Big 12 race alongside Kansas State and Texas. A very interesting run down the home stretch here for the Big 12 season. And for the Wildcats, it includes a trip to Baylor against a team that's surging, Ryan Wallace. And I don't like this matchup very much at all. No, and and I, I I wasn't a fan of the matchup coming in, you know, and and I probably would have said that even if K State had beaten Texas a, a week ago, um, but there's just something about this matchup for me in terms of you know the athletic profile of their roster, um, you know, granted they they've had some turnover particularly at, at some of the skill positions, and I think we've seen maybe some of that cause them to not live up to some of the preseason expectations. But at the same time, now as we enter November, you're looking at a team with the Bears that seems to be kind of finding its stride, you know, winners of three in a row. Um, And then you've got, including two, the past two on the road, and you've got a team like K-State that seems to be kind of uh, maybe questioning themselves is not the right term fits, but just kind of skipping a beat a little bit and so, you know, it's, it's one of the longer road trips in the Big 12 that K-State has to make. And, you know, they get to follow this one up with the, the, the longest road trips that they make. So it's back-to-back road trips. I, I do like that K-State will be motivated in this one coming off of the way that they 
that they lost uh, against the Longhorns a week ago. But again, I, I'm with you, Fitz, both from the from the roster that, that Baylor presents and the speed, the athletic ability, but also uh, I'll be honest with you, Fitz. I think Dave Aranda as a defensive mind is one of the best in this league. And I, I think Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator, uh, doesn't get enough credit for his creativity uh, and, and his ability to really kind of mold a game plan around a, a particular opponent. I think this, this Baylor bears team will be, uh, you know, ready to go. Yeah, uh, they are certainly finding their way. And a big reason they've won back-to-back road games, which is just so difficult to do in this conference, is they're turning the opponent over. They've had plenty of turnovers against Tech that they just immediately flipped to points. <clears throat> they did the same thing to Oklahoma last week in kind of a sloppy game by the Sooners. But it's remarkable to stop and think that they were 3-3. Three and three. One and two in the conference, and now they're six and three and four and two. I mean, that is that's a tough run in this league. But boy, uh, they don't mess around in their schedule. They've got K State, they've got TCU, and they've got Texas. That's their home stretch. So this, in a weird way, might be their easiest game they're looking at in terms of what Baylor thinks of opponents. But I, I think if Kansas State can hang on to the ball not turn it over, they're going to be okay. Am I crazy in saying that? No, I, I, I mean, I, I do think that, again, it's, you know, even though we don't like the matchup, that's not us saying that K-State can be competitive, not us saying that K-State can't pull a victory out because we've seen, you know, Baylor falter at times. And I I think that, you know, what we're seeing is, is twofold. I, I would caution fans not to look at Baylor's record, um, too much because I do think while again, maybe they're not as good as the preseason expectations were for them to, you know, get back to the big 12 championship game and, and hoist the trophy. Um, they're not that bad either. You know, their loss at BYU was by six. Uh, their loss at West Virginia was by three. Uh, and then they had an 11 point loss against Oklahoma state who at that point in time was pretty darn healthy. Um, and again, I would also caution that, both the loss that they suffered to Oklahoma State and West Virginia, both of those teams were coming off buys when they got the Bears. So I think this is a Bears team that has had to find itself a little bit. I'm glad you brought the turnover situation up because you look at the Bears defense and K-State fans um, saw it with Matt Rule, and I think Dave Aranda has done a really good job of kind of keeping this mentality. They swarmed the football. They are as active a defense as you're going to find in this league and you know, they kind of attack in, in waves. Uh, they come at you in different styles, whether it be three man fronts, four man looks and you know, how wide their defensive line is spread. So uh, if, if they can get pressure, which, you know, the more I talk to folks that have watched this Baylor team in person this year, sounds like their defensive line is not getting enough credit. You know, when you got a guy like Jackson Player who comes over from Tulsa as one of the conference, uh, the AAC's best defensive lineman, and he's a backup on this team, that tells you that they've got um, not only a lot of talent but a lot of experience. Um, it, it's a big game inside for Hayden Gillum. Uh, Siaki Ika uh, is a transfer from LSU, and and he's been at at Baylor before. You know, he's on this team last year. And he can cause a whale of a headache on the interior because he's 6'4", 358 pounds fit. So he takes up hmm. multiple gaps. He takes away running lanes. He can get in the backfield. And then he creates for, you know, a guy like Garmin Randolph, who's a 6'7", 250 pass rusher for them. Um, but to finish, again, a long-winded response here, 
it's it's an active defense with an underrated defensive line. And as long as the defensive line has gotten pressure, I think it's it's allowed kind of an inexperienced secondary a chance to get their feet under him. Um, it's it's got you know an Al Walcott in the back that's a senior, and Christian Morgan and Mark Milton are both fifth year seniors. So guys that have experience, but maybe have kind of been playing backup roles until this point. And again, now that we're in November, those guys have their feet under them. A Devin Lemire redshirt freshman has his feet under him, and so when you've got the defensive line creating pressure. Um, it hasn't allowed for teams like an OU, like a Texas Tech, to tee off on the secondary like uh, they had been earlier in the year. So K-State's offensive line, another really, really big test for them coming off kind of an up-and-down game with Texas. Yeah, if you look at the last two games for Kansas State, follow that offensive line and how they performed. I mean, they were brilliant against Oklahoma State, completely dominating, and then they really had some issues with Texas. So I think the ability of this line to create opportunities for the offense is premium because these are two of the best defenses in this conference. I mean, the best defenses at Iowa State, they just don't have an offense to help them at all. But these two defenses have good enough offenses, but at Baylor, they have one of the better offenses in in terms of scoring points, at least in the Big 12. So mathematically, this doesn't stack up well for K-State. If it turns into, uh, you know, just pure offense needing to score against good defenses, that's not something K-State's had much luck with. They really struggled with Iowa State, and if Iowa State had had a lick of offense, they would have won that game. Yeah, and this, you know, it's interesting that you brought up Iowa State because uh, I do feel like there are some similarities Baylor's offense is like the, you know, hyper athletic version of Iowa state. You know, they don't have a Xavier Hutchinson um, out wide, but they've got guys like, you know, a Gavin Holmes and a Monterey Baldwin who can absolutely just take a top off. Um, Both of those receivers right now for the Baylor bears are averaging over 20 yards per catch. And uh, they're not guys that they just bring in for one or two catches a game. Gavin Holmes is, uh, has 22 receptions and Monterey Baldwin has 16. And then you've got a Hal Presley, uh, an Auburn transfer. That's kind of their reliable guy, you know, and even he's still averaging about 12 yards a, a catch. And then you've got two, really solid tight ends in Ben Sims and Drake Dabney that can move the chains themselves as well and, and kind of be safety valves for Blake Shapin. But it's the one thing that I do think helps uh, K-State's defense out is so far this season with Baylor, it has been an offense that's more predicated on the run. They're 58% run to pass this season. So they are relying a little bit more on the ground game than maybe we've seen in the past. Um, but you've got to make them one dimensional. And that's, that's where teams have had a really hard time. Um, if you can get to Blake Shapin and you can frustrate him, he is susceptible to turning the ball over. He's got 13 touchdowns to six interceptions also has 16 sacks, but his completion percentage is, you know, among the best in the big 12 second highest and he's third in efficiency. So that tells me again, if, if you let him be sit back there and be comfortable. And if you allow the, uh, the receivers to get going, that's when this offense becomes two-dimensional, and that's when their running backs can really kill you. Sounds like they might be able to get Richard Reese back for this game. He's their leading rusher, um, both in yards and attempts. He was out last week against uh, Oklahoma with kind of some flu-like symptoms, and so they actually turned to a young man that his name's Craig Williams, but Fitz, they call him Squirrel. He is 
extremely fast. Yeah. Um, and Squirrel, Squirrel Williams held his own against OU and, and made OU look slow. So again, it, it's, it's, we go back to this athletes, we go back to speed. And so, uh, you know, it, it suits K state's defense, a physical front to go against a team that is predicated on kind of starting things off by the run. But again, for K state to have success fits, you have to slow that run <laughs> and not allow them to, again, like I said, kind of take a top off with the receivers and kind of force you to play both dimensions of this offense. It, it'll be a long day if that happens. Well, let's discuss Blake Shapin a little bit, because this is a guy that nobody really knew much about other than the fact he was a baseball player that also played quarterback for Baylor until they came to Kansas State last season. And Gary Bohannon or, was given K-State all kinds of issues, and then he gets hurt. And they put in this freshman baseball player. And he looked like, for at least that day in Manhattan, like they should – morph a Cy Young trophy with a Heisman trophy and turn it into the best baseball player quarterback in the nation because it was incredible. He put on a show. I feel like now in his second season, people have figured him out a little bit, or maybe he's he's just not as uh, young and dumb as he was a year ago, just going in there and wheeling it around. He's a very effective quarterback. He can run and throw, as K-State found out last year. But teams have started turning him over and pressuring him more this year. Life hasn't been as easy as the full-time starter for Mr. Shape in this season, has it? No, yeah. I mean, it's I, you don't go as far as calling it a sophomore slump. But like you said, I just think he's... Uh, he's not new. Um, he's somebody that now teams have got some film on because, you know, when he came in last year in Manhattan, remember prior to coming in for Bohannon, he had all of three passing attempts under his belt as a collegiate player. And he finishes the game in Manhattan, 16 to 21 for 137 yards. Uh, and then added, as you said, 44 more on the ground. Um, was just incredibly accurate and precise. Didn't make a lot of mistakes. I think this year, uh, and maybe even if you go back to the Big 12 championship game last year when he suffered five sacks to Oklahoma State, I think that might have been the first kind of start for teams to re to say, okay, let's go back and watch what Mike Gundy's team did. And they've kind of used that you know, as a blueprint to, to frustrate him. And you can kind of go down the, the book uh, with Blake Shapin in games where, you know, he has been limited as, as a rusher fits. Um, I think that correlates with them struggling and, and losing, you know, against BYU, uh, the Cougars held him to negative yardage four attempts for minus 22. Uh, even a game against KU um, where, uh, you know, I think Baylor played good, but kind of let their foot off the gas, negative yardage there, negative yardage against West Virginia. And then he had six attempts for zero yards against Oklahoma state and their other loss. So uh, again, I think it goes back to, he can be deadly if he's in the pocket and you let him be a precision passer uh, and you let the, him just hand the ball off to a running back. I think he's a guy you you want on the move, but you want to keep him moving, you know, to try and extend a play and not going north to south, if that makes sense. So if K-State can kind of frustrate him and make him, uh, uh, you know, a rollout type thrower and not let him get his feet set and not let him get be a north and south runner, um, then then you've, you've got, you know, a, a serious chance for K-State to get in here and get a road win. But 
again, that's easier said than done against an offensive line. That's got a lot of experience. They haven't been great this year. They got a fifth year senior at left tackle. They've got a fifth year senior at, at center and they'll probably start a fifth year senior at, at possibly guard and maybe even a six year center at right tackle, depending on if it's Khalil Keith or Gavin Byers. So um, it, it's a, it's a tough day at the office for K state, but I will say it's not nearly the offensive line that K-State had to see a week ago against Texas in terms of, of size. I right. think K-State's motor should have enough stamina to uh, at least pressure and frustrate this Baylor offensive line, which we, we just didn't see last Saturday. You walked me right into my next question. If you're defensive coordinator, um, how do you approach this Baylor offense? Because we've seen Kansas State have success with a limited commitment to a pass rush, three, four man, because of Felix Sandy DK Uzama so effective. That ended last week. They got nothing on the Texas Longhorns. They they just couldn't pressure uh, Quinn Ewers at all. They couldn't get to him really in any consistent basis. So if you're Joe Klanderman going into this game, do you continue to rely on that limited rush or do you bring some extra pressure, which might open up some other th- opportunities for shaping in this offense? And, and that's the thing. I, th- I think if you've got to be very careful and you've got to be very calculated and confident um, when you do choose to send pressure, I think K-State's defense um, is good enough, especially getting Julius Sprints back. I think they're good enough to kind of run their base stuff uh, and again, you're not going to, you're probably not going to keep Baylor out of the end zone. You're not going to hold them. Um, I would be surprised way if K-State, you know, really frustrates them to where they're just not able to move the chains effectively. But I do think that this is a K-State defense that in their base stuff um, can match up and match up well. But the, the tricky thing is, is again, I think these wide receivers are, you know, uh, athletic enough are fast enough where, you know, Joe Klanderman wants to be able to, you're going to have to keep your safeties back. Um, And especially again, as I mentioned with the way that they run Drake Dabney and Ben Sims, the tight ends, you you can't afford to, you know, be sending a Kobe Savage or a Josh Hayes on a, on a blitz from the outside. Those guys have to stay back and basically account for the secondary of the field. So you're going to have to either manufacture uh, your, your blitzes from linebackers. Maybe that's Desmond Purnell. Maybe that's a Khalid Duke, or, uh, you know, you're going to have to really hope and pray that a guy like Felix and Uzama can manufacture it on his own. You're hoping that a guy like Eli Huggins can kind of get back to what we saw him be early in the season, both as a run stuffer, but also a guy that can pressure the pocket, uh, and just keep a heavy rotation where guys are, are able to stay fresh and I think, you know, Joe Klanerman will do what he's done in the past, which is uh, not get, you know, overly schematical. Don't get in the weeds with it. Um, allow your players to, you know, be technically sound and create stuff on their own and then mix in um, some stuff that maybe Blake Shapen doesn't see coming. But I do think uh, this is an offense you've got to be very, very careful and calculated with. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Uh, flipping it over, we expect Adrian Martinez to get the start at quarterback for Kansas State. Um, we don't see any reason why that wouldn't happen unless there's an injury in practice. But is Adrian Martinez the quarterback best suited for this game, or is it Will Howard? Again, this is this is a tough one, and, and it kind of gets back a little bit to the whole debate that we've seen over the past weekend um, when it came to the Texas game. Uh, in my opinion, uh, and I, I would stand by this again this week with Baylor, I think Adrian Martinez is the right guy for the job. 
because of the way that I think Baylor's defense attacks and the way that they are relentless. Um, you need somebody that can at least extend a play with their feet, can at least keep a play alive with their feet. And again, I don't think that this is a defense that K-State is going to be able to get over the top of that often. Uh, I think it's going to be some underneath stuff. I think it's going to be getting Deuce, Deuce Vaughn, Adrian Martinez, DJ getting the ball um, and, and trying to get a running game going that can open up some things. So again, a guy like Will Howard, you would look at it at this defense that I was describing earlier as maybe a little bit more susceptible in the secondary, but again, that requires uh, your offensive line to be able to pick up everything that, that this the Dave Aranda is going to be bringing at you. Um, you're going to have to account for a guy like Dylan Doyle, who's a fifth year senior and a really good middle linebacker. Um, and, and again, I think that puts a lot of pressure on Will Howard to not only be an effective passer and, and open the game up that way, but also, be able to feel pressure, be able to make correct reads, not saying that will can't, but at least for the start of the game, I think let's see what Adrian Martinez can do. Um, and, and then again, if, if you need to go to will Howard, if you need to sprinkle him in, you have that ability and still be able to retain a red shirt. Cause Fitz, here's the thing that I'll send it back to you with is, you know, West Virginia feels like it's going to be a tough game because it's on the road, but a game that K state should be able to win. Right. KU is obviously going to be a, a game that is much more challenging this year than it's been in the past. But again, I feel like it's a game that K-State on senior day motivated should be able to win. If you need to sprinkle in Will Howard and still be able to retain a red shirt, you can do it this week and still not have to play him the next two weeks. So um, I'm very, very curious to see how Colin Klein handles the quarterback situation, particularly if things maybe aren't, you know, rolling in the first half to his liking. Well, it will be interesting. I would imagine they're going to try to sit on that red shirt even longer. If, uh, you know, you get an injury here to Adrian Martinez over the next couple of weeks, you, you don't want to That's find true. yourself in the same position. But um, also, if you don't win this game, it also affects your red shirt calculation because you probably won't be in the Big 12 championship game. So there's one less game. Yep. And, and let's be blunt, then you're playing a less meaningful bowl game uh, in that position. But as you look around this conference, Wally, this has been uh, just an, an unbelievable year in Big 12 football. There's no gimmies in this conference. I mean, you look towards the bottom of the standings, you got Iowa State down there that's the best defense. They just make you look silly at times because the defense is so good, even though they can't score enough to win. You've got Kansas that has come to life, and if they can win at Tech this weekend, they make a consideration as a contender in the Big 12 title game rush, which is crazy to say, but there they are. Um but Kansas State's been on a tour of the top. They've, they've played at TCU. They came home for Oklahoma State and Texas, and now they go to Baylor. And that is the upper half with Kansas State of the standings. Does K-State have the easiest path? If Kansas State can win this game, does it open up a real possibility with some help? If Texas loses somewhere along the way, that they too can, that Kansas State can join probably TCU in the Big 12 title game? You know, I, I honestly think that K-State might have the easiest path, but I think the biggest test is obviously this one, um, Saturday night in Waco. Uh, I'll, I'm going to say something that, that may be a hot take. I think TCU might have um, one of the tougher mm -hmm. tests yet, and here's why. Uh, I look at TCU, and I feel like this is a team primed for a stumble 
because you you're at Texas this week, obviously college game day, massive implications in that one. Then you have to turn back around and go back to Waco in a big rivalry game, TCU at Baylor. And then you finish with an Iowa state team that again, you know, towards the bottom of the standings might be at the bottom by the time that game rolls around, but still showing some fight and still a very, very tough defense. And here's the, the thing that nobody's talking about with the Horn Frogs fits. Their bye week was September 17th. They have not had a break mm. since September 17th. Baylor had an off week uh, October 8th. Texas had their off week, obviously, a week before K-State. So they're very fresh. Um, I, I think inevitably TCU is going to get nipped here in the final three. If K-State can get out of Waco with a win, which would be just massive, um, I, I think that they set themselves up well if they can, you know, refocus, uh, get themselves ready for another long road trip um, at West Virginia, get out of there with a win. I think they'll be, as they always are, very motivated locker room for the Sunflower Showdown, especially this year. They're they're not a, about to let KU sneak up on them uh, and, and take the momentum in this in-state rivalry. Uh, but it's going to be tough, Fitz, because I went back and found a stat. Uh, only one of the previous five Big 12 champions won the league title by finishing two of their final three games on the road. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's a tough league, as we all know, to win on the road. And so when you have to do it at the end of the year, when, again, guys are kind of banged up, um, you're exhausted mentally and physically, it, it requires a special locker room. I think K-State's got the locker room to do it. Um, but this one, this one this Saturday is is a game-changing test because here's another thing that I'll send it back to you with this fits that kind of boggles my mind. You lose at Waco this week, you've got a K-State team that I think majority of the fan base believes is a better team than last year. And, and they're sitting right now, at, w would be sitting then going into West Virginia with the same record as last year's team at the same yeah. time. Yep, that is so true. And I think the league is wildly competitive this year, but still I would have thought that K State would finish in the you know top four, certainly, and you get a couple losses here, and that's not happening. Wally, I appreciate it very much. Thanks, Fitz. Now let's turn to our interview segment, and it's time to start repeating players, but he's kind of an important guy considering he has been the center of whether he should be starting at quarterback after Will Howard played so well against Oklahoma State. Adrian Martinez is this week's conversation, and let's get going with 9 a.m. on the Powercat pregame podcast. And let's start with this topic. What went wrong last week against the Texas Longhorns? Most of what I said after the game was pretty accurate about how I, how I was feeling, you know. Um, dug ourselves a little too deep, uh, needed to finish on some possessions there in the first half, and, and really the way we battled in the second half just is about the character of this team and um, the fight we have. You know, I, I think overall we played a lot better in the second half, but left too many opportunities out there to beat a good team. Do you guys attack a, a road game in preparation? any differently than a home game? Uh, I don't believe so, but I will say I think we have a strong road team. You know, something about it um, kind of makes us bind together even more and, and knowing that it's really just us against everybody, and I think people embrace that mindset. Is it incredible in this conference how you come off couple games three games like you've had and now you got to go to Baylor it's just relentless it is you know um, 
the competitive nature of this conference, I think, is pretty unique. Um, you know, every team's really good, and the margin for error is really small. And um, whether it's, you know, played TCU, then Okie State, then Texas, and, and now Baylor, you know, they're all really good teams, all vying for, you know, the same spots. So um, it's, it's highly competitive. When you go back and look at the film, what things could Adrian Martinez done differently last week? Yeah, you know, I'd say there, there's one big decision I regret, and that was um, – you know, the interception at the end of the first half. And really, you know, I think, uh, you know, a couple times I was a little too careless with the football and and really just limiting those turnovers. I think it gives us a better chance to win. And, and that's something I can focus on. The weird world knows your history with turnovers. Is it kind of a relief to have one out of the way, have it off the books there? Yeah, you know, I... It was a matter of time, yeah. you know. <laughs> I think people make mistakes, you know, and that's part of the game. And um, you know, that now that it's out of the way, sure, you know, it wasn't on my mind before, but definitely won't be now. Did you not expect the Texas linebacker to get that deep of a drop on that play? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say that that's probably the fair assessment, and, and kind of uh, wrote him off in my in my uh, progression there. You know, figured he would go with our um, kind of through route we had by the number three receiver, and he didn't. Um, you know, and that's kind of situational, you know, realizing we're in a two-minute drill, end of the half, that they're expecting pass. You know, I think, uh, you know, just trying to force it and do a little bit too much needed to be a little more dialed in there on, on what they were trying to do to us. With Will in there at quarterback and with you in there at quarterback now, we've seen a lot of balls go to Deuce Vaughn, um, more so than in the beginning part of the year. Just as he gets more healthy, how important is it to have him in the passing game? Yeah, it's it's really important, and I, I think it makes the defense, um, you know, have to defend one more thing. And uh, Deuce is a great playmaker, so anytime we can get the ball in his hands, I think that's a good thing for us. When you were sitting out those two weeks, um, did you gain any perspective watch watching your teammates play as opposed to being out there every single down with them? Um, you know, I feel like I've, I've gathered a lot of different experiences in my time playing college football, and, and really for me, I just wanted to make sure that um, – I could positively impact the team, you know, without being on the field. So um, whatever my role was during that two weeks, I wanted to embrace it and, and really make sure that our team was still moving forward. And that's really what I focused on. I was curious if you might be able to describe to me the road warrior mentality that you guys have to have this week. Yeah, um, you know, I said it a little bit earlier, but I, I feel like something about going on the road, this team really embraces, you know, the us versus everybody mentality. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of our mindset. That's how we approach it and, and really bond together and, and realize, you know, it's, it's just us in this big stadium and, and we're going to go take them on. This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudike Uzama. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat pregame podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company. Title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. That was Adrian Martinez as we went into break talking about last week, this week, everything going on at quarterback. Adrian's always good to talk to. And now we bring in someone that's even better, even better than 9 a.m., I say. (laughs) Our football analyst, Mr. Brian Hanley, offensive lineman on the 97 and 98 K-State teams and helps us out breaking down the Cats pre and post game. Well, Brian, you know, I look back at that that Texas game. As, let's start there. And I came to this conclusion after watching more of it. Texas was just better. Texas just accessed its, yeah. its incredible talent that it always has and doesn't seem to make the most of um, and, and beat Kansas State. And I'll just say this. If Texas wants to play at that level it did in the first half, it's going to win the Big 12. It'll win the rest of its games. It'll win the title game. It'll win the Sugar Bowl. That's what Texas should be. And that's why I find them comical is they can't play at the level they should be playing with any consistency. Um, K-State's inconsistent. Every team is, but they are wildly inconsistent. It's just frustrating they picked that Saturday to be good. Yeah, it's, it is frustrating, but you're exactly right. Texas, is they just got – they're just better. They, they got better players. <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is. It doesn't mean it, but the one thing is, is two things can be true. Doesn't mean the K State doesn't have good players too. It, it absolutely doesn't mean that. Just means Texas has more of them. And at the top end, theirs are better, and they played up to that. You know, so it is what it is. I mean, but you're right. They, if they play like that, they're going to win the Big Twelve. They're going to win Saturday. I think they're going to win Saturday anyway. Uh, Texas is just really good when they play up to their potential and they get it all clicking. They are that good. And I think it's a positive sign that Kansas state found the energy, the the fight to try to come back, even though they still didn't play well in the second half, they, they played better than Texas and, and got back on track, but it does go down as a loss. And a few weeks ago, I described this part of the K state football schedule as the proving ground. Lose at TCU, come home, just route Oklahoma State, lose with Texas. Now Baylor is the last leg of what I thought was an incredible four-game stretch because Baylor's played its way into the upper portion of this conference. Baylor has played its way into the discussion for the Big 12 title game, joining, you know, probably TCU, but they still have a lot of work to do. Um, And here we are. K-State 
can either come out of this four game stretch at two and two or one and three and two and two feels acceptable. If you know, you think this is a really good K-State team, one and three isn't acceptable and one and three would end any hopes of being in Arlington. This is a huge game for Kansas State's football program. Not just this team. I feel like the program where it's going in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got to win this football game. Look, I know we've talked about, you know, must win games early in the season, midway through the season. But if K-State is the type of program that, number one, I think that we are, number two, on where we're going to go and where we can go and where we're trying to go, this is a football game that has to be won. It's just period, point blank. We have to win this football game because, again, the, the Big 12 title game is still within our grasp. And if we go win this football game, and there's so many other games, I mean, these other teams have to play each other. So somebody's going to lose. Right. You know, some something's going to happen. So we just have to go and do our thing. And I believe that if we go out and play our best football game, we can win. But, yeah, you're right. This is the game we got to win. Yeah, TCU, Texas, and Baylor are in this horrible round robin here over the next few weeks where they're going to just beat the snot out of each other. And it's going to be very interesting, starting with this weekend's game of TCU finally leaving home. It feels like they've only gone to a few places in the Big 12. They played all their big games at home, but that changes the next two weeks when they have to go to Austin and Waco back-to-back, and it won't be easy for the Frogs to stay unbeaten. If they do, they belong in the college football playoff discussion solidly. I mean, that would be impressive if they can win both of these, but I feel like I feel like there's enough losses that are going to take place for other programs, including Texas, that if K-State can win this game and win out, they're going to be in Arlington. They'll be there. They would have earned their right. But, boy, they're cutting it down to a a razor-thin margin, which is a perfect way of describing how I feel K-State can win this game. I don't like this matchup. Baylor's playing really well. A defense that attacks you creates turnovers and an offense under quarterback Blake Shapin that seems to be kind of stirring to life and taking advantage of those turnovers. Boy, it just seems like Kansas State always catches Baylor right when they're on the up. And here they are again playing good football. Yeah, they're playing good football. Um, Had some shaky moments early in the season. They've kind of settled that down. Went on the road. Look, we can talk about OU all they want, all we want. Uh, OU had a million turnovers in that game. Baylor came out, won the football game on the road. They're playing well. Um, But you know what? I don't know that we're playing bad. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I I don't think K-State's playing bad. We've just played really good football teams two out of the last three weeks, and we get another one this week. So, you know, we just, again, we just have to go win a football game. And that probably includes an ability to possess, not turn it over, and move the football. Is Adrian Martinez the right guy in this matchup, or is Will Howard maybe someone they might throw in for a few series here and there to throw the ball downfield? Either you play him or you don't. I I don't think that you you go back and forth, back and forth. Look, I I was on record, and I think a lot of people were on record thought that we should have played Will last week. We didn't. So if you're not going to do that last week, then there's no reason to do it this week. Uh, Just stick with who you're going to play and just play him and be done with it. If you're going to go back and forth, that means you can't decide, which is awful. I mean, just let's just put it out there. It's awful. If you can't figure out who you want to go with, and I know, hey, you're trying to win a football game any way that you can. Fine. I, I get that part of it, but the team needs a leader. 
and it can't be two. Right. It can't be back and forth, back and forth. They got to understand. And and whether and I know we have an outstanding locker room, and we do. We have an outstanding locker room, but you need a voice. And it, look, if one guy's hurt and it's another guy's the voice, that works. That absolutely works. Guy comes back and it's his voice, that works. Yep. It can't be two. It just can't. It never works. It's never worked. At any level of football, it's never worked. So we got to just stick with one, play them, and, and, and go win. That's it. It's an incredible stat here, and I recognize that Will Howard is more aggressive in the passing game. He's throwing the ball deeper down the field and attacking defenses with great effect. But Adrian Martinez, <clears throat> yeah, this season is completing 63% of his passes, and Will Howard's at 59.6. So I think we get caught up in the romantic of all the touchdowns and stuff, but Adrian can throw the ball. He can be effective, but what he does extremely well is run the ball. And boy, yes. Dylan Gabriel, who is a you know decently mobile quarterback for Oklahoma, went for 70 yards on this Baylor defense yeah. as they kept losing track of the quarterback. Maybe they don't do that with Adrian Martinez, but I feel like the quarterback run game is a real opportunity for K-State in this one. It is. Um, it, it, it will be when Adrian's out there, obviously. Uh, now, when we do it, that's a different conversation to have. <laughs> Having said that, yes, absolutely. Having him in the run game uh, is going to be to our advantage. It always has been, and it always is going to be when he's out there. So, but I, I mean, at this point, I, I just, I would say, just play Adrian and, and just, and just go. And just go as long as he continues to be. And he was pretty aggressive last game. I mean, he was, you know, as long as he continues to be aggressive, he's got to give the receivers the opportunity down the field, but, you know, incomplete, it, it, whatever interception, just give them the opportunity because to be honest, when given the opportunity, I know we bag on the receivers from time to time when they've gotten those 50, 50 opportunities, they win, Fitz. They can win. We just got to give them that opportunity. Well, it's going to be interesting to see who does play receiver. It sounds yeah. like Malik Knowles um, and Cade Warner were both um, held out of practice earlier in the week, but maybe they'll be ready for Saturday. That's a big key. We saw some disorganization, some kind of chaos towards the end of the game for K-State when they had to bring in some backup guys who weren't quite on the same page as everyone else, which was a little bit upsetting. But also, I'll just say this. If K-State's offensive line plays like it did against Oklahoma State, it wins. If they play against the way they did against Texas, K-State probably loses. The offensive line has got to lead the way in this game, control the point of attack, and let Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez do their thing. Yeah, I mean, and it, 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 it shouldn't have to be, I'll just be honest, it shouldn't have to be they play outstanding football and we win or we play absolutely horrible and we lose. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't have to be that way. There can be a happy medium and us still win the football game. But the last few weeks, it hasn't been that way. So they have to control the line of scrimmage. They absolutely have to control the line of scrimmage. It's just period, point blank. If they don't, it's going to be a problem. You know, I, I believe that they can. Uh, but again, we have to go about it a different way. I just think we got to open up throw the ball a little bit more, keep them off balance to set up the run because everybody knows that we're trying to run the football. We've got to set it up a different way. 
Flipping it over, um, Mr. Shapin made his debut last year in Manhattan and just absolutely torched K-State. It was painful. You, you, if you're watching that game, you're like, oh, Gary Bohannon got injured. That's too bad. But good for K-State. No, it wasn't. Um, Shapin no. came in and just absolutely killed K-State. He's kind of come back to earth a little bit. He's not been as sharp this season as he was last year. He has turned it over. He has uh, does, hasn't reacted well to pressure. K-State's Again, flipping it over, they got to win the offensive line, but the defensive line has to be more effective than it was against a really good Texas offensive line. They've got to get pressure with nominal amount of you know blitzing in this game to keep shaping uncomfortable and maybe having to move around a little bit. You let him stay in the pocket, and you're you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, because he can pick you apart. Uh, he's shown that he can pick you apart. Um, so we got to get pressure. We got to get pressure. Um, we got to be able to, to stop the run when they want to run. I think that's going to be the key. I know that's kind of cliche-ish it, every week. Yeah, you got to stop the run. I think it's more important this week than others because it's just what you said. He can pick you apart when he has time. So if you stop the run and force them into passing downs, clearly that's a defensive line's advantage is obvious passing downs. And if we can get in those situations, get some guys freed up and get pressure that's good for the defense, but we got to be able to stop them on rundowns and force them into passing situations because, you know, when when they're dictating the pace, they're really good. The guy, he's really good. He's he, he just is. Yep, he is. He has enough weapons to give you trouble. And um, I admit Baylor isn't as good as I thought they'd be this season, but here they come. They, they might end up being exactly where we thought they would be, which is in the Big 12 title game if they went out. So it's an intriguing stretch of football here. Um, but one more thought on what K-State did last week. Brian, I've heard a lot of pushback on the coaching. You know, they, they didn't like time management. They didn't like some of the decisions. I think there was a, net, uh, a layer in there of they started the wrong quarterback, which, um, you know, I'm not sure Will Howard would have been any more effective. I, I'm, I, just, I don't have the evidence to see that he would have held up under that pass rush. So uh, I'll ask you this. I'll put you on the spot. Um, is K-State's, are K-State's coaches failing this team at times and putting them in not appropriate situations to try to win a game? Um, I think failing might be strong, but I definitely think that they don't put our best foot forward all the time because it's like you said, and I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. If I see another quarterback power on third and five, <laughs> I don't know, I'm going to rip my eyeballs out. Um, but because it's like we're trying to outthink them and we get four yards and then we punt. Uh, and the game got away from us at Texas doing that in the first half, you know, and you can't just be aggressive. You win or lose, you got to be aggressive. And I think that part of it, we get too conservative at times on offense and it hurts on defense, maybe not aggressive enough, you know, maybe sitting back and letting, you know, just, okay, well, we're just going to rush three, maybe rush four. And maybe there's times where we have to put pressure on, make them make a decision. And I know, you know, Brent's going out, you know, early in the game from that nonsense. Don't get me started. Um, I know that's a problem, you know, going one-on-one -on -one down the, you know, uh, playing one-on-one -on -one and, uh, and all that kind of stuff on the outside. I get it. But sometimes you got to be aggressive, man. You can't always just sit back and let them dictate to us. Put some pressure on them. Make them make decisions. I, I thought that was something that we didn't do enough of last week because, you know, Quinn Ewers, as good as he is, 
against Oklahoma State, they showed if you pressure him, he'll, he will buckle. Yeah. And we didn't do that nearly enough. Now, their offensive line played well, and they ran it down our throat. Don't get me wrong. But there were things that we could have done that we could have pressured him. He was sitting back there picking us apart when he wanted to. Well, K-State struggled last week because it was trying to run quarterback power without the power. I mean, they just couldn't exactly. move Texas off the line. And when you keep going back to that, it's like it hasn't worked. I mean, at this point, you're hoping to get lucky because schematically this isn't working. Um, and you're hoping to get someone in, in the wrong you know, spot yeah. to take advantage of it. Yeah. And look, you got to be a little more aggressive than that. And that's kind of one of the knocks on Colin Klein is he's a very conservative guy in every way and trying to get him to be aggressive like he was in play calling at Oklahoma State. I think he's got to step out of character. Does he need to be aggressive in this game calling plays against his Baylor defense? We're going to have to be. Because yeah. if we're not, we're not going to be able to move the football much. Their defense is good. I mean, it just is. You know, I'm not saying it's 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 unmovable or anything like that, but they have a good defense, and if we are not aggressive and we play into their hands, and and again, if the offensive line isn't the world's greatest offensive line like they were against Oklahoma State, if we're just playing average, it's going to be a problem. Now, clearly, they have to play better. That goes without saying. But the bottom line is, we've won these games, the the, the bigger games on our schedule because we were aggressive. We've seen what happens when we're not aggressive to lane. Right. So if we're not going to be aggressive, it's a problem, you know? So yes, he's got to step out of character. Look, you can be a conservative guy, but you get on the football field. It's time to be aggressive. I mean, they teach you to be aggressive from the time you put on a, a, a flag football, you know, flag till the time you play, you know, professional football. It's always about being aggressive. Play calling is the same way. There's a time when you're trying, you know, a four-minute offense where you're trying to run out of clock. That's something different. That's totally different than trying to be aggressive to go win the football game and, and get be competitive in the football game, get things moving. we got to be aggressive early. It sets up everything else that K-State wants to do offensively. Absolutely. You know, I found it very interesting at this week's press conference. Chris Kleiman talked about the Texas game more and more than I've heard him talk about the previous game, I think, ever. He kept recalling things. And for me, that was a sign of a coach that knows – they left it on the field. They left too many opportunities out there. They just yep. they, they had a chance to win that game. And I just kind of heard him almost, you know, whipping himself across the back because the coaches failed the players in some ways in that game. And I feel yep. like they're going to really come in focused on this game and what they need to do. I'm hoping. I'm hoping they. this is just a huge game. It's just an enormous game. They all seem to be big in this conference. But this one – you, you got to get over Baylor in the standings. You just can't let them catch you at the wire like this and leave you back in the middle of the pack like you were picked when you have an opportunity to make it to Arlington. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better or more straightforward. It's a football game. that It just has to be won. I mean, there's certain games on your schedule every year, no matter what your record is, that you have to win if you're trying to push your program forward. This is a game that has to be won. Period, point blank. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You want to talk about it, puts too much pressure on the kids. Hey, man, it's big time college football. Pressure comes with the territory. You know, this is just a game that has to be won. And you're going back to what you said about Coach Kleiman talking about it. He knows. He knows they left things out there. 
you could see it as a fan. There were opportunities. As badly as we got outplayed in the first half, that's still a football game that could have been won. It could have been won. And I think everybody understands that. And I, you're right. I think they know that as a coaching staff, and they're just going to go out and they're going to get ultra-focused on what we need to do to go win and just go do that. Don't just be scripted. Go win the football game. That, that's all that we need to concern ourselves. Go win the football game. His name's Brian Hanley. He is our football analyst at GoPowerCat.com, and he and I will gather on Sunday. I'm not sure when to do the PowerCat postgame podcast. The combination of night game in Waco and early flight in Dallas is not good for the podcasting environment around here, <laughs> but we'll put our heads together and we'll figure it out. Brian, I thank you very much. Thank you. And as I mentioned, Chris Kleiman did talk about the Texas game quite a bit, but let's catch up with him and some of his comments at Tuesday's press conference about his team coming out of that loss to Texas and heading into this huge game against the Baylor Bears. And after that, our Ryan Gilbert will join us to talk about the betting lines around the Big 12 this week. Here is Chris Kleiman. Looking back at the film, it was kind of a tale of uh, two halves. Uh, In the first half, we uh, couldn't get off the field on defense give Texas credit with some schemes that they did. And then uh, we didn't tackle very well uh, at all. And then when we loaded the box up a little bit more to try, they got some passes on us and um, just didn't play very well on defense that first half. Offensively, we moved the ball really well, but didn't answer. We answered the first score, drove down the field, tried to answer the second score, but had to kick a field goal. And then moved down to field to answer the third score and that's when we had the fourth down and didn't get it and by that time then it's 21 to 10 and um, you know, it was 31 to 10 at halftime after uh, we gave them a score late uh, probably could have been worse but uh, Echo Boido made a big time play to kind of save a touchdown and and then in the second half, um, it got a little bit better once Josh Hayes made a big play and got the strip and gave the crowd, gave our team, gave everybody a little bit of, of life and a little bit of jolt and offense took it in and scored. And then we started to settle in a little bit more and play a, a really good game. But uh, that time we were probably down a little bit too much. But uh, uh, all, all in all, I was pleased with the effort, pleased uh, with the comeback and uh, how the guys stayed in the fight and with whatever two and a half to go it's 34 27 with a chance uh to tie or or, or go ahead if we would have gone for two if we'd have scored but uh didn't happen and uh we got to learn from it we've got to own it um coaches uh, we talked about it we need to be better as well and it's going to be uh, another tough uh, battle this week going to baylor uh, a great place to play a really good team uh, they're playing really well and uh, we have to have great plans come up with because uh, it's going to be a big challenge for us what exactly is Baylor doing now that they've become a better football team the last couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, one, they're probably they, – they turned it over a little bit against the West Virginia game uh, I saw. Uh, they turned it over and gave up more explosive plays than Baylor typically does. They're so difficult to defend offensively because they have misdirection. They run an outside zone play. They run play action out of it. Uh, you think we go for it a few times on fourth down. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a game of possessions because they're going to hang on to the football. And if it's third and seven, they're going to try to get it to fourth and short to go for it again uh, to try to keep the football away from people. And I thought they had a really good plan against Oklahoma and executed it really well on offense. Uh, on defense, it's a little bit different um, structure than what they've done the last couple years uh, but they have really talented players uh, and and the guys are they're playing with a lot of confidence coming off a game like that in which 
you didn't play well. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, there was just enough deficiencies that you couldn't overcome it. Is it hard to get the guys reorganized or at 21 years old, they, they just are like, look, we're moving on? Yeah, I think that's the way it is. I mean, we have to talk about it. We have to um, talk about the positives, talk about some of the things that we didn't do as well, uh, try to eliminate some of those negative plays that did happen to us because that's the the poor start we had on defense, put us too big of a hole for sure. Uh, and I, I do think they're pretty resilient and they know that uh, it's the next one on the docket and it's a tough, uh, tough matchup. But uh, uh, I, I'm pretty confident they'll respond crazy is it coaching in this league and I know every coach around the country no matter what level will say you can lose every game you got to prepare for every game but in this conference you're literally in peril every game It, it really is and uh that's a credit to the coaches a credit to the 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 talent, the parity, the fact that matchups are so important in this league, just how you match up with somebody, whether it's uh, O-line, D-line to uh, skill guys, whatever it may be, um, it's a play here and there. Uh, that uh, maybe changes the momentum. And that's the thing. We could not get the momentum in the first half at all. It just snowballed on us. And then the second half, we make a play and get the momentum back somewhat. Um, but um, that's the, that's a challenge in, in looking at, you know, you could look at the slate of games and you could make a, a case for either team every, every weekend. And um, um, that's, uh, that's part of the Big 12 in college football right now. That was Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman on this weekend's game between the Cats and Bears down in Waco. And now to help us out with assessing that game and everything going on in the Big 12 is our own Ryan Gilbert to talk about the betting lines, the gambling, the deviant behavior that he enjoys so much. Hi, Ryan Gilbert. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for that. I'm fantastic. I'm ready for some football, and I'm ready to get your advice on these Big 12 games. I have not personally placed my bets for this week's selections because I'm very confused by many of these lines, and your expertise will help us all and probably uh, help all of mankind. Let's be honest. Okay. You don't have any response. No comment. No okay. comment. Um, here we go. Let's get going here. All five games. That's what we're going to discuss in the Big 12. It's a full slate. It's a great slate. It starts with Oklahoma as an eight-point favorite at West Virginia. I find this line intriguing because this is where K-State goes next weekend. And West Virginia has typically been a tough place to play. Um, even if you're a good team and they're down, ask Baylor. They lost there. Baylor lost at West Virginia. They just won at Oklahoma. Now Oklahoma's an eight-point favorite at West Virginia. Is this a sign that Vegas basically knows the Mountaineers are broken and they ain't getting fixed home or away? Yeah, that's probably fair to say. And, you know, we always like to subscribe to the ideas that home teams, you know, have a really good advantage when playing at home in the Big 12. Uh, But Oklahoma, I mean, you look at the two teams, and I do agree that you know, Neil Brown might not make it out of the season. Obviously, Oklahoma's, you know, they're not really playing for much at this point. You know, they're playing to get into a bowl game, I guess, with five wins right now. Um, but that's just simply got to be a better team and a team that's in a better place. But I do think it is intriguing. You know, they are playing at home and they're, you know, West Virginia speaking with them. They're, you know, more than a touchdown underdog at home. Um, you don't see that too often in this league. So I don't like either side of this just because this is – you know, it's two teams that are, but honestly are, are just kind of down in the dumps right now. I think Oklahoma makes sense as the favorite, but I mean, 11 a.m. on the road, how can you really be confident 
especially switching time zones. I just, I, I'd stay away from this one. Yeah, I, I, I don't quite understand this. Look, uh, in talking to people in Morgantown, West Virginia is on the rocks. It might, they might be done and broken, but if Oklahoma goes in there and blows them out, I, I'll be more convinced of that. Another road dog that's hard to explain. Iowa State's a one-point favorite at Oklahoma State. Uh, I, Iowa State, Ryan Gilbert, the one that can hardly win anything because they have no offense against Oklahoma State, which was just atop of the Big 12 a few weeks ago and now is in a free fall with quarterback injuries and injuries. Does this make sense? Would you take Iowa State on the road at Oklahoma State? No, not at all. And I don't care who plays quarterback for Oklahoma State. I really don't. I think any of their backups are, are just as good as Hunter Decker's. Obviously, he's gotten more experience this year for the Cyclones, and that's certainly going to pay some dividends for them. But, I mean, come on. We've seen that guy play. He doesn't impress me at all. Their, their whole offense is pretty just abysmal. Defensively, you know, Iowa State's a fine team. But to be favored on the road against Oklahoma State, I know things have kind of come crashing down for Mike Gundy's squad. But let's not forget, you know, just a, sh a few short weeks ago, this was, you know, kind of the favorite to win the conference. So I like Oklahoma State here. If you don't, then stay away. I just I don't see how you can trust Iowa State. I mean, they played just an ugly game, the game we saw against Kansas State. Um, and let's be honest, you know, K-State had some, you know, I wouldn't say fortune or luck, but you know, it felt good for them just to escape Ames with a win. Um, that was against a just a bad Iowa State team. So I, I like Oklahoma State here. Over under 48.5 in this game. Uh, if Iowa State wins, they're not scoring a combined 49 points to hit the over. I'm sorry. I'm not going for yeah. that. So yep. that seems like a strange number. Let's move on to another team that has seemingly awakened, and that's Kansas. They got bowl eligible. They're going to Texas Tech, always a hard place to play. Tech's got some quarterback injuries going on, a little bit banged up. Tech is favored at home, three and a half points. Can the Red Raiders beat Kansas by four or more? I'll say no. I'll ride with the, the hot team with mm. Kansas. And, mm. again, I think at this time of the year, it's a matter of, you know, who's playing for what. And, you know, Kansas is legitimately still playing for something right now. And Texas Tech, I've spoken highly of them, you know, on here with you before. Uh, but, you know, even if they lose by three, they're still covering. So I, I do like Kansas. Yep. You're going to take the points and run. The biggest game in the conference this weekend is TCU finally has to leave home. I thought they played all their games in Fort Worth and a little strange here that they actually have to go to someone else's stadium. They're going to Texas and TCU is unbeaten both in conference and overall. They're ranked number four. They're currently in the playoff if the playoff happened tomorrow. And um, it's it's really fascinating to me that this team that has won every game is going to Austin to play the Texas Longhorns and they're a seven point underdog in Austin. It. Now, it might very well turn out that way, but I find it very hard to believe that TCU is going to lose this game by seven or more, or more than seven, I guess. It doesn't make much sense just when you look at, you know, the rankings, um, the records, all that sorts of stuff. But you do have to remember that, you know, a team, a, a ranking doesn't really matter at all. You know, it's just a, a random number that's in front of a team's name. And same thing with a record. Obviously, that can be a good you know, factor to determine how good or bad a team's been, um, you know, on a season as a whole, I get that. But when you just look ahead to an upcoming game, you know, your record, your ranking, none of that stuff matters in my opinion. 
Um, and so that's, I think that's kind of why Texas is favored here. That's kind of the reasoning behind that is, you know, despite the losses, they've been close losses, you know, TCU has been in some close games and they've been fortunate to come out, you know, on the winning side of things, but the money here is about even. So it's not like the public just loves TCU here. Like there's some money coming in on Texas. And we saw that last week against Kansas state where, you know, the money was on Texas as well. And obviously there's a lot of, you know, Texas, you know, supporters, fans that, you know, maybe they are influencing this line just a little bit. I, I do think Texas can come out of here and win. I mean, that is a talented football team and fits. I think the biggest probably surprise was that Chris Kleiman pretty much got out coached by, by uh, Steve Sarkeesian last week. So, I mean, that's a full football team that still is legitimately playing for a big 12 title and they're in the driver's seat. If they do beat TCU, that being said, you know, a whole touchdown, that is a lot of points. I think this game's close. I would not be at all shocked if Texas wins. I'd probably, you know, pick them to win the game, um, but not more, by more than just a few points. So I think TCU can probably cover this spread, but I, you know, there's a reason Fitz that this line is in favor of Texas by a whole touchdown as crazy as it sounds, I know. Um, you know, just the body of work that the Longhorns have put in this year and, you know, TCU, you put those two, you know, set aside the numbers that we see in front of our face, all the metrics and the numbers. I think there's a reason Texas, um, you know, the numbers like them. Here's what baffles me about both these teams. If you just look at the K-State game against both these teams, if you were talking about K-State versus TCU in the first half, K-State far superior. Texas in the first half against K-State far superior. And then it just flips at halftime. K-State played really well against Texas the second half and stunk at TCU. I think this uh this game's going to be just uh it's going to be a, a circus. I don't it won't matter who's ahead. It it's just going to be coming down to the wire, I think, and it's going to be a one-score decision. Whoever's got the ball last possession just wins. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like, but I also it might be a case of um just like what happened to K-State. They had the ball, and then they, they screwed it up at the end. Speaking of K-State, let's move on to that. Baylor um, has found themselves. I, I think this line is accurate. Baylor's favored by two and a half. So can the Bears beat the Kansas State Wildcats, better yet, your Kansas State Wildcats, um, by three or more in Waco this Saturday night? No, and here's why. Wow. K-State, that locker room is very connected they're bought in and you know like i mentioned with with texas you know tcu this is a, a k-state team that still has a chance to play in the big 12 title game and you know everything that you know we've got the vibe that we've gotten um at veneer this week you know this team cares and i think this is going to be a resilient bunch to bounce back after you know a disappointing home loss uh, i think if you look back at last week and k-state had a big lead and let it slip away then there might be some hangover effects coming up against Baylor, but it was the opposite. You know, Kansas state is, you know, played a very good second half and outscored Texas by what a couple of touchdowns um, in the last 30 mm -hmm. minutes of that game on Saturday. So, you know, it's not like they're going to be down in the dumps. Uh, I think it might be the opposite. They're, you know, riding some momentum from the end of that game. And uh, we'll see if, Maybe who knows Martinez has a shorter leash and if things do go south, we'll see Howard. I don't know what's going to happen at quarterback, but I think this is a really good bounce back spot for Kansas state. Baylor doesn't necessarily impress me a ton, 
they're obviously goes without saying they're, they're playing their best football of the season, you know, right now over the last three games with the winning streak uh, that they're on, but they've still lost three games. So is Kansas state identical records in the big 12 as well. So uh, the biggest thing for me is a, a bounce back opportunity for K state. I know how much the wildcats have struggled against Baylor as of late. I, I get all of that, but I think it's time K state is, is going to get back in the win column here. And there goes Ryan Gilbert. Gills is always the best. The best. He knows his stuff. Him picking the Wildcats kind of threw me off, folks. This is an enormous game for both of these programs. Both programs think they can be in Arlington to play for the Big 12 championship. And while both spots remain up for grabs as the season progresses here into the final 25% of the regular season, Kansas State probably needs to win out, as I've said throughout this show. And it starts with this 6 p.m. game between the Cats and the Baylor Bears. And here's the one thing that K-State needs to do effectively to probably win this game. My one key for you to keep an eye on, can Kansas State's offensive line play closer to the style they did against Oklahoma State? Or will they get pushed around again this week like they were last week against Texas? This offensive line absolutely leads the way for the Wildcats in terms of their ability to score. If they can't protect Will Howard or they can't run block for Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback. And last week they couldn't protect in the pass. And they didn't open up much room for the run game either. It was a struggle. It was a fight to get anything they could, and yet they somehow found a way to be within one score as the game came down the stretch. Can Kansas State's line create enough opportunities for big plays for Vaughn, Martinez, these receivers, these tight ends, and everyone else on the offense? If not, I'm afraid Kansas State is going to have a tough time outscoring Baylor and might leave with a second straight loss in Big 12 play. Well, that's going to do it for the PowerCat pregame podcast. As I said, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, the title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. It is the Kansas State Wildcats and the Baylor Bears, 6 p.m. on Saturday night at McLean Stadium in Waco, Texas. I will be there along with the Go Powercat staff. The game is on FS1. If you have to watch it on TV, it's going to be another nail-biter of a game in the Big 12 Conference. And after that, the Cats go to Morgantown to play West Virginia, and then we'll conclude the regular season at home against Kansas, when I will once again get to see you at the Bill. Thank you for listening to the Powercat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 